because you're one step closer. And to me, that's what sports is all about. That's what taking the hard knocks, losing, failure, sidesteps, missteps, all of those are just one step closer to getting to becoming who you want to become, to be able to achieve what you wanted to achieve. Today, we have a very, very special guest in the house. She has been called one half of the greatest beach volleyball team of all time, and it is Carrie Walsh Jennings. She is a three-time Olympic gold medalist, a five-time Olympian, and she's just a legend. And she's obviously been so successful on the volleyball court, on the beach volleyball court. And she is wildly experienced and talented and hardworking and competitive and I love that fire in her. But what I also love is her ability to be vulnerable, to pull back the curtain and talk and just be real and talk about the things that really matter. What I loved about this interview is we really went deep. Sure, we talked about mindset. We talked about routines and finding flow and finding joy. And you know what I, I talk to a lot of athletes and a lot of humans about is the ability to care about the process, sorry, sorry, care about the results, but also focus on the process, which, you know, on the highest stage in the world, in the Olympic games, the fact that she was able to do that is, is endlessly fascinating to me. And she really talks about that in this interview. But I think one of the things that is really, really cool about this interview is we don't just talk about sports. We talk about how high performance and mindset work permeates all aspects of her life. And in particular, how she does it being a mom of three and a wife and a human and her organization, which is P1440. We talk about all of it. This interview, you guys, I'm so excited about it. I know you're going to love it. I hope you share it with people. I think I'm going to go back and listen to it multiple times because Carrie just has a way of sharing so much wisdom in a way that is so relatable and so real. So I will stop talking so you can listen to Carrie because this interview rocks. All right, Carrie Walsh Jennings, I am so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm pretty fired up as well. Oh my God. I've been listening to like some of your recordings. I've been watching your uh, games <laughs> oh. and like, I, I have so much to talk about. I don't know if we're going to be able to cover it all, but I wanted to jump right into it if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. I will follow okay. your lead happily. All right. So are you watching the Winter Olympics? Is that something that you're into? I, I love the Olympics with all my heart, but I haven't watched one minute yet. Okay. So I need to get on that. Yeah, I, I just I was kind of thinking I was like she either loves it or is like ah I've done that you know yeah you know um, life is so madness right now I literally we don't turn on the TV too much so yeah I know I I, I totally get that so I wanted to I wanted to start by I'm I'm in that mode of like watching people compete at such a high level and so much of my work with athletes is like similar to I'm thinking that you're like this based on what I know and I was definitely like this of like there's I was I was watching Michaela Schifrin the alpine skier and she skied out twice and like the idea that failure is like right there all the time like yeah. that's why we watch that's why we play and yet this idea that we can I'm, I'm kind of talking broadly here but the idea that like when we're younger we often have this sense of I would say at least a lot of the great athletes have this sense of like nothing's ever good enough perfectionism we can't be we can't fail and like a fear mentality. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like the greats then learn at some point that that only gets you so far. Yeah. And you have to sort of lead with love. And I was just, I was, I was watching here and I was thinking about you and it's like the yin yang, like you can't say, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, no. winning doesn't matter. Like people who say that don't understand. Right. And yet those moments happen and even in a small way. And it's like, so how, I'm, I'm interested in how you deal with it now, maybe how you dealt with it when you were younger and like your evolution of like caring about the results so much that you're willing to sacrifice so much. And yet in the moment, trying not to care. That's oh my a gosh. Broad question. I feel like well, this is it's, yeah, well, and it applies to every single human on earth, no matter if you're an athlete or not, you know, so it's a very valuable question. And, you know, I think 
people like people who don't who hate losing are like some of my favorite people <laughs> you know, they're so yeah. competitive they care so much and to me it takes great courage and vulnerability to be sad when you lose and to express it and to talk about wanting to win you know i think that's powerful um did we freeze are we okay um but at the same time it's like okay there's so much to say so for me growing up until i was like 30 well until the rio olympics really okay. um fear of failure drove me to be so gnarly yeah like gnarly right and it, it was something that motivated me and inspired me and it made me better for that long and then after rio where i suffered the biggest most heartbreaking loss i've ever had in my life yep. my whole identity was rocked mm -hmm. you know i felt like a failure the shame that i had in losing when i fancied myself a great competitor a gamer who wins the olympics doesn't get bronze like that really rocked me and so moving forward after that loss the fear of failure became so big that it started to minimize me and not empower me and inspire me to work harder be better it like started to shrink me mm -hmm. and so me leaning on that as a strategy to improve like didn't work anymore and and so it led me into kind of the it's not what is it? it's, it's surrender it's kind of detachment where you know what you want but you're just going to go there and do your best and let the results be what they be yeah. like it's such a funny it's such a hard dance because when you talk like that to elite athletes they're like screw you no, I'm here to win. I'm here to dominate. I'm here to be perfect. Um, but at the same time, we all know, I believe at our best, we're more playful. We're more in the moment. We're having more fun rather than just focusing on the end result. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And so for me, I think perfection is just such a fallacy. I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Andrew Huberman, incredible podcast. And he was talking about the power of play. And how when we're younger and starting sports, start starting to learn new things, that play is so important because that's how our brain literally figures out contingency plans. And if this happens, hi, beauty. We have a surprise visitor who's supposed oh to be upstairs having snacks. You have the nicest dress on I've ever seen. <laughs> is it a special Thursday? You get to wear a dress? Yeah, it's a Christmas dress that we just put on whenever we want. Oh, I like it. Don't wait for special occasions, that's for sure. Do you want to go upstairs and watch Gabby's dollhouse? That's how it goes. She is so cute. Oh my God, she's the best. Okay. Oh. Huberman talking about joy. It's so funny because I had that on my list too. Joy. Well, it's not, it was not necessarily joy. It was play. play. Yeah. Like the importance of play. And obviously we're more joyful. We're yeah. more silly. We're more creative. We're less focused on perfection, you know, when you're playing. Yeah. And to me, it's so valuable because I've, I've lived Olympic experiences where I'm only focused on the, and on the end result. And for four years, I was miserable, yeah. winning a lot, but my life suffered yeah. and my yeah. soul suffered, but we won. Yeah. And but the winning is so fleeting. Life is forever, you know? So anyhow, there's so many different ways I can go to this, but like seeing Michaela, I just saw the kind of replays and, and the images of her, you know, heads down, like yeah. head in hand. And I'm like, God, that girl, like that just hurts my heart. I've been there. I know. You know, and to me, what I equate that with personally, it brings me back to a moment of deep shame. And I hope she doesn't have that because what we do know and learn when you're a professional athlete, when you've been doing it for 30 years, is that it's part of the damn process mm -hmm. and everything is there to serve us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't define you. All these things that we've heard a million times, they're so true, you know? Um, and to me, I didn't see her post-race um, interview, but I hope she says, something like I gave it my best I fell short and I'm going to continue on powerfully and my heart is broken right now all of these things could happen in the same time yeah you know what I'm saying and yeah. so but to me the lesson is just you just our job is to show up and do our best period that's all we can control mm -hmm. you know yeah. and so I think when you're a winner and you're used to winning the shame that you feel when you lose is gnarly you know but what a great responsibility is to be a winner and a champion that you feel that way well, I remember I had a coach that used to say, play so hard to win that it hurts so bad to lose. And I think that's what you're talking about, that like sense of being so courageous that you are willing to put everything on the line, your entire ego, and and it, know that there, there's a time when it's not everybody's going to do the however many wins you and Misty had. Like most people aren't going to do that. And even that ends at some point. So yes. you're going you're gonna to have those 
those moments. And I, and I, I, I was listening to one of your other interviews and I, I, I want to hear from you like that, that bronze medal. And I know you talked about how proud you were after. And I just, I'm interested in that whole process of like, Falling because that's kind of what she's doing right now. I mean, she, hopefully totally. she can have a comeback, Michaela. Maybe she can't. Who knows? But yeah. that sense of the um, tremendous amount of pressure she was under, and then the shame. I mean, she actually apologized to people, yeah, like, right? You know, and so like that sense of like, take me back to that moment when you guys, if you, sorry, but when oh, you lost no. the semifinals and how you reacted because that's what we're talking about, really, like yeah. that ability to care so much that it hurts and also bring love into the self-love and self-compassion into that moment like how did you do that well it took me like five years to figure it out you know like truly i played in fear for at least three years after rio mm. like i'm like oh they found me out i'm an, I'm an imposter like i don't deserve any of my previous success like it really rocked me to my core so to hear that michaela apologize i 100 resonate with that like i did that after we lost to um, the match that would take us to the bronze or the gold, I literally had, I could not look my family in the face. I couldn't look April's family in the face. I was so sad that I let them down. You know, it was so gnarly. Um, and of course they hug you, you know, way to fight, way to do these things, tomorrow's the day, you know, in that moment though, I couldn't hear it. I was just fully devastated. And I think, you know, it's like what your coach said, um, say that quote again, um, Karen, so hard, and I don't know if I don't think he came up with it, but I don't know who to credit it to. Sure. But um, play so hard to win that it hurts so bad to lose. Yes, and so the hurting—it's not like I feel like some people might interpret that as like I need to work harder, I need to run through walls, I need to like suck up injuries. It's like that's not it. It's not the physical part. It's the the ego death part. Mm -hmm. It's the heartbreak part. Like I think to be great at anything, to pursue anything that's meaningful, even if it's this big, it's like you have to be willing to put your heart on the line you know, and, and to suffer the heartbreaks that come with that, with that risk, it's a risk, but and if you love it, it and again, again, and again, and again, yeah. you got to show your face and you just, you have to know that this is part of the process. And so for me, when my kids fall down, like if they, if they feel shame, cause they didn't want to race or they missed a the layup or whatever, I'm like, babe, this is going to make you so good. Like you don't understand this. Is, and then listen to this, this like rocked my world. Okay. So David Meltzer, He's like an entrepreneur, amazing. You know, he, he's like a life coach. He's inspirational person. He was like, okay, so imagine all of you guys are chasing your biggest dreams. And in order to get to make your dream come true, you know that you're going to get 50 no's before you get your yes. With every no, you're going to celebrate it because you're one step closer. And to me, that's what sports is all about. That's what taking the hard knocks, losing, failure, sidesteps, missteps, all of those are just one step closer to getting, to becoming who you wanna become, to be able to achieve what you wanted to achieve. If you have that mindset, you know, the process mindset, beginner's mindset, that that's all there to serve me mindset. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's, the, the, that's why I love I mean, I love athletics in general. I love being an athlete, but I love talking to athletes too, because it's like, I think people that haven't played and it's really at any level, because any level you can feel pressure. I think people yeah. don't understand how mental it is. Like yeah. I've heard you say this too, like the physical side, I mean, it's hard. You, I'm sure you push yourself to, to the limits and you've done it for many, many years and you do it when you don't feel like it and all that, but like, that's not really it. Like no. The mental stuff is so much more challenging to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at every, every level, Lindsay, like AYSO level, you know, cause you have people looking at you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like the conversation is like, yeah, it's just, you're here to compete and you're here to do your best. And that sounds kind of froofy and not like gnarly enough, but that's like the bottom line. Mm -hmm. If you're talking NBA, NFL, whatever it is, that's the bottom line. And it's not just showing up on game day. It's showing up every day leading up to game day, mm -hmm. you know, with your body intact, doing what you need to do there with the self-talk that supports a process and, um, you know, personal development mindset as you pursue these things, you know, um, 
so yeah, I think the mental and the emotional part is is hardest at times a million. It's like the hardest thing in my life is nutrition <laughs> by far, you know, more than the working out and the discipline to get up at four 30. It's like the nutrition part of it's really hard being disciplined there. Yeah. So it's just, there's different challenges within each challenge. And to me, what allows you to sustain, what allows you to find who you are and to create a semblance of joy within these things is, um, that you have purpose in it and that you love yourself through the process of it. Otherwise you're screwed. If you don't love yourself, if you hate yourself because you're, you're having, you're in a funk right now, like you're literally like jumping on the other team. Totally. <laughs> you're fighting against yourself. Do you, do you look back on your career and clearly you said that Rio was a turning point from a, from a mental standpoint. Do you think you could have learned any of these lessons earlier i mean not that i don't mean that you have regrets because that's just that's no yeah it all led you to to being the amazing person that you are today but like when you look and you look at these younger athletes that you're working with with p1440 which we'll talk about later but like do you see there that, that this could have you could have learned it earlier or yeah you know because i look back at my career and I, I didn't learn a lot of this stuff i think i was like just work harder just push yourself right. just if, if we're down, give me the ball, I'm going for it. And like that worked as we talked about, like that, yeah. that works <laughs> to a certain yeah. point and then yeah. it doesn't. And I'm just yeah. wondering if you think you could have learned that even younger or- I do, I totally do. I think it's the conversation that coaches and parents and that just needs to happen earlier in life. You know, because usually we all get to this point because we suffered so much. <laughs> we're like, there's a better way, Yeah. you know? And so within 1440, like you mentioned, we, we train them in volleyball, but we also wanted to give them the mental and the emotional skills and the self-awareness where if they realize they're being their worst inner critic and they're hating themselves, they can be like, oh, that's not a good thought. That thought is not serving me. I'm going to pick a new one, you know? And it's just, I feel like we just need to have these conversations within our school system, with our children mm -hmm. about the power that we have within to create our outside environment. Right. And that we have, we have to, we have to understand that greatness takes time, that it's a process that learning anything like this blew my mind as well. Like, and I'm going to botch saying this, but Andrew Humerman, he just gives me so much knowledge. And he says that the process of learning inherently and on purpose is an, a, pr a process of agitation mm -hmm. because agitation. Yeah. So it bugs you. It irritates you on purpose because the agitation creates a sense of urgency and focus. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So if kids knew that being like, instead of like the moment they get frustrated, they feel like a failure, they're like, Oh, I'm onto something. This matters to me. You know what I'm saying? That to yeah. me, that's like an epiphany and the fact that it's supposed to be hard. Mm -hmm. Like for some reason in high school and college, I thought everyone else had it easy that when I had a tough time, it, I was lacking mm -hmm. like, no, like that's, it's so false. You know, but I think that's what happens when you try to problem solve only internally, when you don't lean on your people, your teammates say, Hey, I'm nervous. Are you nervous? Hey coach, you know, I'm struggling with this. Help me out. Hey, teach like, this is hard for me. Like you realize that you have a support system outside of you and they're going to encourage you to stick with it. Well, I think, I mean, and you know, in the sort of microcosm of that is what well, you just mentioned it actually is like in, I see so many athletes, I think you and I talked about this too, is like so many athletes think they're the only ones to feel nervous and that being nervous means there's something wrong. Like, totally. I mean, I'm sure Carrie Walsh Jennings was a little nervous going into gold medal matches. And it's like, that pumps you up. Like you can use that in a yeah. good way. And it's all about how you think about it. There's some really interesting research. I don't know if you've seen this about how we interpret stress yeah. actually affects how our bodies respond to it. How we interpret everything. Yes, it's wild. Everything. Yeah, no, you know, and there's another kind of analogy that a lot of high-performing coaches talk about. And they say, when a lion is on the hunt with a Giselle and the Giselle is fleeing and the lion is chasing, physiologically, the same things are happening within, mm -hmm. but only one is choosing to be there. So it's like in the moment, raise your hand for that moment. I choose yeah. this moment, even if it's like, you know, even if it's a terrible moment that you like, if you're playing the worst game of your life, right? Like you can either be like, like so ashamed, or you can be like, I'm here, I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to battle. And your whole physiological, physiological system changes your attitude, your focus, you take a deep breath, like instead of being tunnel vision, you open up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we find ourselves in these situations in life. And instead of being victimized by it, thinking we're less thinking we can't get through it, we have to raise our hand for it because you're there anyway. So volunteer. Well, I mean, the reframing is like the simplest thing you can do. And like, it switches everything. Yes. Like, 
I mean, it kind of brings me back to that quote from Billie Jean Keen about pressure is a privilege. And like, even more than a privilege, it's like, like you said, you're choosing it. You're not the victim. Like, what is a life without any pressure? What is a life without any times when you're nervous or scared? Like, no growth. Oh, that life. No, you're you're going to be soft. You're not going to you're not going to be challenged. You're going to stay right where you are. Like we sign up for these things. And like and back to your your point about pressure and nerves, it's like it's exactly what you just said. It's, it's what you frame it. To me, I'm like when I feel my butterflies like flying in my tummy, I'm like, "Oh, I'm excited." Whereas before for 30 years or 25 years, I was like, "I hate that I'm so nervous. I hate it." And then someone told me, "Carrie, if you think you're nervous, you're one of the best in the world." Think about your damn opponents because I'm nervous for every game. I'm nervous. I, like I, I practiced the other day, Lindsay, for the first time since June, and I was nervous, mm -hmm. like just for practice with me and one coach. Yeah. Nervous yeah. as hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that means I was so excited, yeah. you know? And so I've started to embrace the butterflies and to realize that that's part of me. I can't hate myself for it. I have to love the parts of myself that I think are lacking. I have to love the parts of myself that are anxious, that are weaker, that are ignorant, because if I love them, then there's a chance to improve them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's either you're, it's either a sign that you're, you're gearing up to do great things yeah. or it's a sign that you're not ready and you get to choose. Like it's, yeah. You know, preparation helps. Don't get me wrong. Like the no, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, mentally ready is important too. Like we said, you can practice eight days a week, <laughs> eight hours a day and still feel nervous. You know, like the mental side is so important. And people are like, you know, what do you do on game day to prepare for game day? And I'm like, I do exactly what I do on practice day. <laughs> yeah. The same thing mentally, emotionally, physically. I do the same thing because I do not want to show up on game day and expect those things to turn on. Like my self-talk is working at every practice. My, my interpersonal communication with my partner is working at every practice. I'm trying to problem solve and to connect, yeah. not, you know, work on my physical craft. You know well, what I'm I know saying? I've worked a lot on, um, like every moment is equal kind of thing. And, uh, I definitely want to talk about that, but I'm, um, I'm also interested in, so one of the things I see a lot with athletes is I, I maybe prove me wrong or, or tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of great athletes have this you know, let's say perfectionist, hard on themselves, driven mentality when they're young. I, I think yeah. you're going to rarely find somebody that's great that doesn't have that. Yeah. And I think that at some point, as we've been talking about, they learn that that's no longer serving them. But what I also see, and I'm wondering if you experienced this, and maybe you didn't just because you had sort of bottomed out and there was nowhere to go but up. But I feel like in those moments when it's kind of time to shift let's say from fear-based motivation to more love-based, a lot of athletes, a lot of humans have a real strong fear of like, well, this got me to this level and who am I without this? And I'm going to be like a lazy blob on the couch, not motivated anymore. I'm just wondering if you had that fear, maybe you didn't, but I see that a lot. Yeah. The hard thing for me is not in the application of the self-love or just being there to compete, not necessarily win and dominate. Um, the hardest thing for me is when I speak it out loud because it still feels softer to me mm. and I'm here to win. We're going to win. We're ready. You know, and I still think these things and I, I do say these things as well, mm -hmm. but it's also, I have this under deep understanding that I honest, I can't control anything about the end result. And when I had a sports psychology session with Mike Gervais, who's incredible, yeah. he uh, helped Missy and I win in London. And he's just, he's, he's so dope. And I was talking to him about this anxiety I feel within certain moments, you know, and I for sure remember this when I was in juniors and in high school and in college, like my whole, my whole life as an athlete, I felt this way where I was explaining to him a big moment or just anxiety. I felt playing in the world championships. And I was like, Hey doc, like, I, I just, I feel like, I feel so anxious and, and everything. I feel a little bit tight. And, you know, I'm, I'm using these words that are so confining and stressful. And he's like, first off, pay attention to the words you're saying to me. Like Carrie, that's gnarly. He's like, we're in Hermosa beach. You are in Aust Austria and you brought that stress home to this office. Like the words you choose matters. And he's like, so in those moments, pay attention to the words you're choosing. And then he's like, try this. He's like, whenever you feel like it's a big moment or wherever you feel like there's a lot of stress, you could almost not handle it. Just say, I'm here to compete. And for me being, I feel like I'm a world-class competitor in any sport. And when he told me that, Lindsay, it was like a weight off my chest, off my heart, off my mind, because I know if I'm in the moment, I, I will I will rip your eyes out with respect to try to win, you know, and just, I mean, that was a bad thing to say, but I will, what I'm saying is that I, I will, I'm a, I'm a great, I'm a great competitor. Yeah, I know yeah. that. 
right? Without any qualifiers, I'm a great competitor. And he gave me the permission to just compete because I've already done the work. So in the moments, in the games, you can't be like, oh, I wish I would have done this or, oh, you know, whatever. It's like, I'm here to compete, yeah. do your best. And that helped me significantly. I love that. I mean, that that's the th- kind of thing that brings you back to the moment, which is what we're all searching for, right? Exactly, yes. But, um, it also reminds me of Brene Brown, when she talks about like, I don't remember how exactly how she says it, but like how you talk about your thoughts yeah. and feelings matter. Like that, how you describe them, I should say, how you describe them actually influences how they are you know they're not just words no well I I, I'm a very big believer in the law of attraction what you focus on is what you invite into your life right and like every word is like every word thought action is momentum so if you speak poorly of yourself that's momentum going in the wrong direction if you can speak neutrally or positive that's momentum in the right direction Mm -hmm. you know and so those things they sound frou-frou they really do they sound frou-frou to me but to me they make you a killer and yeah, they make you, yeah. uh, they allow me to live in the moment, which is where I'm at my best. Cause I can't affect the past. I can't affect the future. I do that by my right now, yeah. you know, and where I choose to put my focus on is just, it's everything. I don't care what type of performer, what type of human you are. If you're in a funk and you like, if you're, this is so funny. I've done this so many times where I'm just running into jerks all day long. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I'm like, what have like what have I been thinking about it? And my thoughts are stressful and like I'm grumpy and I like you attract what you think about, you know? So if you're in a bad mood or a bad moment and you're running into things out in your in your life that you're not wanting, like literally take five seconds and think about what you've been thinking about that day and you're like, oh, I deserve this. <laughs> this makes sense. You've done like the cognitive behavioral stuff where it's like you have a situation. And then uh, you look at your thought, which leads to your emotion, which leads to your action, which leads to your results. Yeah. And like it like. And then the results always reinforces whatever you're thinking about. Like if there's zero discrepancy. Yeah. The world is full of assholes. That's exactly what you're going to see. You know, the world is full of something you don't have to say. Like you said, I know you've talked about this too. It's not like toxic positivity. Like everybody's nice all the time. No. Perfect. But it's no. like, you, you do get what you look, are looking for. <laughs> 100. And you, you get what you're, and you know, I learned this lesson in the way to Tokyo because like, I like, I'm just a student of Abraham Hicks law of attraction. Yeah. And they say, it's not what you say. It's what you're feeling on the inside because the whole earth is vibrational. Yeah. Right. And words, even though if it's the most positive words, if you don't believe them, if you're not feeling them, it's just words. Yeah. And so for me, um, on my journey to Tokyo with Brooke, like everything was just hard from day one. Like Brooke and I loved each other, love each other. She's wonderful. We, we, on paper, we had all the things, but vibrationally and emotionally, it was all just really hard for whatever various reasons. And no matter how m- much we talked about mindset and, you know, like we tried to problem solve together and f- focus on the good it never panned out because I think inside there was this fear or these limiting beliefs that trumped our words. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was the first time in my life that I've lived that for a long period of time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's there for me to learn from and, and, you know, grow through, but it bummed me out because Brooke's incredible. We're, we, we could have and should have been incredible together, but there was something within us that held us back from exercising that on a daily basis and it just, you know, it didn't work out for us. So it's, it's not just words. It's yeah. the actual thought. And you have to do work to get yourself into alignment with what you want. And if something's in the way and you see it as like a big kind of mountain you have to climb, it's like, accept that mountain with excitement, not with God, if I don't get this today, we're, you know, we're terrible or, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't defeat yourself on the way to greatness. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so I wanted to shift a little bit, but I'm, I think there's gonna be a lot of parallels. Um, and oh. I was, I was thinking about what I thought, you know, I've, I've heard you speak on a lot of different things and, and a lot of the mental stuff. And I was thinking like, what, what do I really want to talk to Carrie about? And one of the things that I think really fascinates me about you is definitely the mental side, which we talked about a lot, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about, but also, you know, I think when, um, when people think about you having three kids as an Olympic athlete, your babies, your, your, your real goals, right? Like, and they think about, wow, you were pregnant when you won in uh, won the gold medal. And they think about you had three kids, I think in four, four years or something. And like the physical side. And, and for me, I go back to like looking at, um, did you ever see Serena Williams documentary? No. Amazing. Should I? But, yeah. Yeah, really good. But also, um, and there was like the physical side of her having a baby. And, and then there was like her coming back to compete and she was literally pumping in the locker room 
about to go out and play in like her first grand slam. And yeah. as a mother, I'm like the mental and emotional pull that your children have and the amount of psychological and emotional energy that it takes to play at the level you're at is like mind blowing to me. Like the physical is a lot, don't get me wrong. Sure. But yeah. And in balancing kids and schedules and all that stuff, that's a lot. But yeah. the idea that you're able to do this and be a present mom, and I'm, I'm just so curious how you are managing to do it because what you're doing, I'm sure in your 20s, at least when I was playing professionally, like I was super selfish. And oh, then God. you have kids and it's like, well, that's out the window. So now we got to figure out a way to like split myself in half. And yeah. I'm just... I'm so in awe of that. And I, I just want to pick your brain. I want to learn and see how you, know, oh, you saw my two-year-old in here two seconds ago. Interrupting so this, And then you have to like switch back. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm in interview mode, not mom mode. You know, <laughs> like how do you do that? How have you well, done that? Well, I, I mean, A, it's messy and ugly. And you have those interruptions that simultaneously melt your heart and frustrate you. <laughs> Yeah, like as soon as you need some space, they probably won't give it to you, for example. No, exactly. Well, that's law of attraction because you want yeah. that so bad. Yeah. Um, no, if, you know, for me, it's like I everything in my life is a choice. And it has been my whole life. Like I've never really, I've never invested my time or energy and love into something that I don't believe in and that I don't want. And that's a blessing, mm -hmm. right? Like I've always loved sports. I've always appreciated learning. I've always loved my family. Like my life is very simple, but everything's a choice. So when my point is when I was a professional athlete and we chose to start a family, um, I, it was a choice and I come from a huge family. Like I, on the kind of, to a certain extent, I understood what I was getting myself in for. And to me, the way I framed it was, this is going to be so dope. This is like two of my heavens combining and I get to be part of everything that I've ever wanted, you know? Um, and so that way of framing things was really, was really powerful for me. Um, so I want to make sure we keep pausing a little bit. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, and so like, there's so many things like I'm fully supported in my life. My husband's incredible. Like he incredible does not do it justice. He is he is my teammate. He makes everything work. Like we fill the gaps. Like he makes me not feel guilty when I leave. I know my kids are in good hands. Yeah, um, yeah. cause that's the hardest part. Like I'm trying to figure out if I'm retiring or not yeah. because I can't leave my family as much as I have anymore. I can't like my heart will literally fall out of my chest. Yeah, yeah. I can't do anymore. So we need to do it a different way if we do it. And my husband's a hundred percent on board to figure that out travel the world together, you know, like to put his life, not necessarily on hold, but just to, to commit to, to this vision as a family of us winning gold in Paris. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're having these conversations right now. Um, so I'm supported on the outside. It's a choice on the inside. So I'm willing to suffer <laughs> whatever yeah. I have to suffer, mm -hmm. you know, and then kind of, this kind of aligns with, I think why I've had success in sports in general is that I'm always a, like, I've had the best partners in the world. I've had the best coaches in the world. I went to the, one of the best high schools, best colleges. Like I just find myself in these beautiful situations where carry the athlete and the human is supported. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then like for the hard emotional stuff that you alluded to the guilt, you know, the separation anxiety, the, the one minute being a mom, next minute being on a podcast, next minute training for the Olympics, you know, all of that stuff. I feel like what is what, everyone in the same situation I am in is that their heart is just so in every bit of it. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like a soul calling for them to juggle all these things. And for me, I, I think as an athlete, like I'm, I'm okay physically and in my craft, like I'm better than average, obviously mentally, I think I'm pretty sharp, but I think what makes me more special is my emotional capacity. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I, it's hard to quantify that. It's hard to put that on paper and explain that. But, you know, I think that's the difference maker for me. And within every relationship I've had and with every pursuit I have, um, it's like, if I love it, if there's purpose in it for me, I will suffer anything mm -hmm. to do it. Same thing with my marriage. You know, I've been to hell and back with my husband and we fight for what we believe in, you know, and we don't settle. I don't settle in my pursuit for excellence, you know, and for the Olympics or in volleyball, I don't settle for less in my relationships. My husband's the same way. And so we work and we keep growing you know, and it's hard as hell. We fight, you know, we fight for our own perspectives with my partner. I fought with Brooke for how I thought things, you know, should go. And she did as well. And that to me is strength, but a lot of people don't do that. They just work hard. Yeah. They don't invest their emotion or their mental, you know? 
Do you have any, like, I mean, I always think about, I, I know I've heard you say, like, when you're fighting with your husband, like, you can't win kind of thing. And I'm just wondering, like, on, oh, like, when I'm playing, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, when you're, um, like, when there's, your kids need you, like, and on game day, and, like, because I know that you are that, like, tear your throat out type of competitor, even though you don't want to say it out loud, and, yeah, yeah. which is amazing, like, th that's awesome. But like, I'm wondering if yourself as a competitor either shifted at, when you became a mom or, and you know, people probably don't ask this of guys, but I am a mom. And so I know that like, that there is this pull and some of that is hormonal too, right? Like sure. this pull to your children and you had young kids when you were, you know, they're a little bit older now, but like sure. probably really wanted mommy. And like, I'm just wondering how you shifted, um, like even what you did on game days, like to, or what you do now, like to get that space where you can turn on, carry the, the crazy competitor versus carry the mom, or do you combine them? I, I'm just curious. Um, you know, well, up to this point, it's like compartmentalization, right? So generally our family doesn't go on to like the world tour with me. So they're home and they're well taken care of and they're with daddy and they're living their lives. Yeah. And we catch base every day, a couple times a day. And you know, but I'm separate. Yeah. And so I have my space, I have my time to prepare and all these things. When they do come on the road, um, it's like, it's the best thing ever. But about two hours before every match, I start to get really frustrated and like, I yeah. need space. I need this, yes. you know? Um, the, obviously the mommy and the caring, that stuff never goes away. But when I'm in Portugal playing in a tournament, um, I, I do, I'm there, you know, and I trust. Like I have a lot of faith. I know who my children are with. My husband is the most incredible father I've ever seen. Like they're good. Yeah. And I have to kind of leave that to God, leave that, yeah. you know, that, that they're good. Like they're smart kids. They can handle stuff. We all chose this together yeah. to a certain extent. We have these conversations, you know, mommy's going to be gone. We travel. My daughter goes, okay, mommy, how many days? And if I say anything over, over like 15 at this point, you know, she'll start bawling. Um, and so it's just, and I'll start bawling. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of is what it is. I don't know. You know, um, it's just a commitment. And when you're committed, you have to commit through not only the good times, the hard times, and it's not sucking up the hard times. It's working through them and staying connected through them, which I for sure could be better at. My husband and I were in marriage counseling and our counselor was like, Carrie, you can walk a million miles with a pebble in your shoe. Meaning I can endure a lot yeah. because I feel like either, I don't know if it's a worthiness thing or if it's just how I was bred, like suck it up, don't complain because I definitely had that in my upbringing, yeah. which yeah. I'm appreciative for, but also yeah. it causes problems. And my husband, he can take five steps with that pebble in a shoe. And he's like, I need to address this, yeah. you know? Yeah. So my situation is encouraging me to grow and learn different mindsets, learn different ways of approaching challenges. Um, and it's all elevating my life. So, yeah. you know. The pebbles are there for a reason. They're there to call your attention to something. And if you have the awareness, you know, um, of what you want within the situation, then you can work toward it. Well, I think it's just such a beautiful like life that you've built and, and you were so intentional about, I've heard you talk about this in other podcasts, like the, all the accolades in the world didn't mean anything without like the family side and, and the oh. marriage and like, yeah. and how you prioritize that and manage to, to combine it all. Like to me, the, the idea of being a competitor and a mom is like the freaking coolest thing in the world. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. I just feel, I feel so blessed and I don't want to give this perception that everything's easy. Like my, my husband and I for sure have been on the verge of divorce, you know, like literally. And we, we talked about separating. We like, I've been to hell in volleyball, in sports and in my life, a hundred percent. And it's like those moments of reckoning where you choose, you know, what do I really want here? Is this relationship worth fighting for, you know, on the court, like in order to confront to, in order to be our best team, I have to have an, uh, an intense discussion with my partner that we're not going to like each other for a while. You know what I'm saying? So it, all of this is hard. The, the result that I'm living it's so beautiful. Like our family is so connected. We're such a little tribe. My husband's pursuing his dreams. I'm pursuing mine. My kids are doing theirs. You know, and I really come from this fundamental belief that for each of us, especially, you know, like not especially for each of us, our, our duties is to become the best we can be mm -hmm. for ourselves, not for anyone else. Cause that's not sustainable. Like it has to matter to you. And because of that, I can be a better wife. I could be a better mommy. I could be a better athlete. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it all starts with an inside job and then you can pursue these dreams and you integrate it with your husband or your partner and your children. And it's beautiful. I, um, we're doing that. We're opening up our certification right now for mindset coaches. And 
I'm writing all these emails and doing all these things. And one of the things that I talk about, because someone told this to me, is don't let your kids be your excuse. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's so easy to do. Oh, it yeah. is so easy. And, you know, everybody makes their life decisions on what they want to do in their career. And stay home mom is like the hardest job in the world. Oh, and God. stay home dad too. Um, yes. But like the idea that you are thinking about yourself and what you want to do so that you can not put that on anybody else. Like, yeah. I think that's such a powerful place to be. And it sounds like you, and it's something you have to keep going back to. And it sounds totally. like at that right now with Paris. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why, you know, like, and like you, like, you know, for sure, being an athlete and where you are now, it's like, in order to be the best or to get the result that you want, you have to be hundred percent in, mm-hmm. right? If there's any, if there's 2%, maybe like, that's not a go. And so that's why I'm taking so much time because I do, I, I want this final journey. If we do it, I want it to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to do it for the joy of it. And I, you know, I, and I want to win, of course, but I, I feel like I know that if I do it for the joy of it and I show up, the results will take care of himself and the journey regardless will be so worth it and it'll serve my family. It'll serve me. But something that I wanted to add on to what you just said, don't allow your kids to be your excuse. It also goes the other way. And I remember hearing Kobe talk about an interview where he, you know, he wakes up at 430, has a morning workout comes home, takes kids to school, has another workout, you know, like has lunch, has another workout. And then he goes to pick up for his kids. And he's like, it's selfish of me as a parent to not have energy for my children to go to take them to the park, to do be on the floor with them and play with their toys, just because I had a long day. So he's committed to his personal craft and journey. And then as a dad, and I fail that every day, you know, I'm like, you guys, I'm so tired. That's why you have siblings go play, you know, but like moving forward, I I never, I never again, and I know I will, but I don't want to say no when my husband wants to hang out because I'm tired or my family, just because it's easy and they'll they'll love me regardless. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I just, for all of the intensity and passion and consistency that I bring to my professional life, I need to. And I'm committed to bringing that in my personal life because that matters to me more than anything, you know? And so that's my commitment and that's my intention. And it's harder because it's so much easier to say, okay, my child woke up, woke me up at four, you know, they climbed in bed. I didn't get a good night's sleep. I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to not do this workout. You know, I'm going to give myself some space when it's like, what I also know is that discipline is so damn important. And the right when you start making excuses, it just becomes easier to make an excuse the next time, you know, and the next time, but not that you have to do this, you know, like things. So sorry. No worries. The computer died. Um, are yeah. you recording? I'm just recording. Like thought, it's like, of course, if your child wakes you up and you don't get a good night's sleep, like sleep is so important. Yeah. Eating is so important, but just so your day is not going to look the same every time, but you can still handle your commitments and be disciplined and get everything done on a different time frame and not give yourself the, the out because your children or whatever comes up, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. And we've talked about like how, how admirable it is that you've been able to do both and the difficulty of switching sort of mindsets, but I'm also interested in how your children have. I don't mean necessarily in like um, how they've kind of enhanced your game even, you know what I mean? Like, of course they've enhanced your life. You love them. Like, you know, but I mean like kind of like, like for me as an entrepreneur, I always say like my kids have been the best thing for me as an entrepreneur because I can't F around. Like I don't have 80 hours to work. So like when I work, I need to get some shit done. Excuse my language. So I'm just interested from your perspective, how it's, I don't know, helped you focus or helped you prioritize or gave you a different perspective, you know, any of that. All of it. I mean, a hundred percent, all of it, you know, for me, the perspective shift that I am more than just an athlete, I'm more than just my finishes. I needed that. Yeah. Right. That came at 30. And also, it also kind of allowed me to live kind of a a certain death to a certain extent because I was pregnant for basically two years. My boys are back to back. They're I have a year apart and the world went on without me. It's like, I never existed in the viable world. I'm like, okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, you know, maybe my ego thought I was something special. You're not like, you know, like you're a special human, but yeah. you know, time goes on. So that was helpful for me. You know, and I think when I do officially retire, that'll be helpful. It'll help me adjust faster. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm more efficient. I don't have time to waste. It makes me more discerning because I do not want to waste anything, any time that I can be with my family on things that don't matter to me or are not going to serve our family. Yeah. So kind of created with Mike Gervais, our, our performance psychologist, um, like 
the priorities of like buckets of priorities in our life. And for me, it's my faith for sure, my family, my career, um, and my relationships. And so I just know that I need to service those things in order for me to, you know, to do great with these things. Um, and that becomes a filter and that all came on the heels of becoming a parent, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you want in your life, make those your priorities, make that your filter. And if it doesn't, you know, service your priorities, it doesn't belong there. It's a no, maybe later. And that's really hard. It's really hard for me to say no to any, like, I always want to say yes and be helpful, but that's made me more discerning, you know? So, and then the inspiration is next level. My gosh, you know? It's especially that my kids are older. I thought I thought it was gonna be hardest when my kids were babies. It's so much harder now, <laughs> you know, because they're just so aware. And like my daughter thinks it's a I'm choosing volleyball over her. So it's led to these beautiful power com- powerful conversations, you know. And um, like we had, I had this moment with my daughter. I was leaving for eight weeks. Like shoot me, you know. Like I, I, but chasing the Olympics. So part of me is like, oh my gosh, so exciting. Part of me is like devastated, throw me in jail and leaving my children, my family for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And they were going to meet me though after two weeks. And so on the day I was leaving, we took a picture with my daughter. And in the picture, she's crying and I'm smiling. And she brings that up to me the moment she sees me when they travel overseas. She goes, "Mommy, I have to talk to you." She goes, "The day you left for your trip, I was crying because I was sad, and you were smiling because you were happy you were leaving." And I was like, oh, baby girl, it crushed me. And I was just so grateful that she had, like, if she kept that to herself, that could ruin her life. Yeah. Her relationship. Yeah. You know, so A, it just allowed us to have this conversation. And then B, it now it makes me more mindful of the conversations I need to have with them. So they know where I'm coming from, you know, and it's very mature stuff. Wow, that's super emotionally intelligent. (laughs) Oh, my hell. I mean, she's so, I mean, all of our kids are so on point that way. You know, and I think the old school of like sucking it up, it is what it is. That's, that's kind of dying. And I'm grateful for it. I think a lot of greatness came from that. But as the generations go, we should learn from the mistakes of the prior ones. And we should elevate and grow and, and try new things. And I think this new way of seeing the world, seeing competition, um, seeing the process and having a beginner's mind um, and being like devoted in your heart, not just for the pursuit, like it's powerful. And it'll allow people to live their lives and their pursuits in more enjoyment, I, I believe. Kind of a side note, but as we're talking about emotional intelligence, I just uh, want to get some parenting advice. But like, oh. I, I feel like so much of what I teach my kids is like, um, like feel your feelings, right? And trust your feelings and trust your instinct. And I feel like fear often lies to us, right? Totally. Like, we yes. are scared of, you know, my daughter just started kindergarten. We're scared of the, the new gymnastics class. We're scared of getting interviewed, whatever it is, right? That it's a fake fear because we're not actually in danger, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm just interested how you're teaching your kids because we've been talking a lot about fear and, and, and fear and love and all those sorts of things. And I'm wondering how you teach your kids, like, listen to your feelings and yet... <laughs> Yeah. Fear can be, fear can lie to you or we, fear can also be excitement or fear can also be a good thing. Do you talk, yeah. I seem to talk to your kids about that. I'm just interested. You know, it's framed a little bit differently just because of the context these conversations come up in, you know, um, I like the one thing that came to mind is our boys are running cross country and they're usually team sport athletes and cross country is more individual, right? Yeah. And my oldest Joey, who is my favorite athlete, literally of all time, he has what Jordan has. He has what the greats has. Whatever it is, he has it. The intangible, yeah. right? Yeah. He's 12. Like, take that with a grain of salt. But I see that in him. Yeah. And he was getting ready for this race, and he's just expected to win. Like, imagine that pressure when you're 12. Yeah. Every you're supposed to win. Yeah. And that's literally, that's the truth in his mind and in the outside. Everyone's like, oh, Joey's here. Everyone loses. Yeah. And so he got third in his first race, and I felt the shame of him. I felt it. And I'm like, babe, no, you kicked ass. You did so good. Right. Like this is race number one, just, you know, whatever. And, but this next race, he was, he's like, mom, I don't want to go. Can we go? Like, I don't want to race. Can we go? And I'm like, no, babe, you're okay. No, I'm like, just go out there, do your best run or run. Um, and I try to take his mind off of that. And, um, I'm like, you're here, just, you know, you're ready, go. And he hated it. He hated it. And then afterwards we talked about it. He's like, mom, the whole time I was like, I was thinking of tripping myself and getting hurt. So I wouldn't have to run. And I'm like, oh, babe, this is such an opportunity for you. Like we've all been there. Like you need to understand that every single human on that line feels the same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just think about how you're framing this, you know? So yeah. it's that's kind of those conversations. 
you yeah. know, it's already talked about, you know, my son's sentence, if he makes a layup, he literally feels shame because he thinks he should be perfect. It's the easiest move in basketball. Yeah. My baby, you have three people chasing you you know like you're dribbling a ball you're 11 like you know you're gonna make mistakes and fear is just it's it's a catalyst to change it's a catalyst to focus like we talked about um but one of my favorite quotes of all time is the truth of who you are is unafraid you know and i just don't want my kids to use fear of failure as a cop-out to not try yeah that's kind of really nuanced, hard conversation to have because I don't have the words, you know, it's more of a feeling. I just want them to have the internal feeling that they can handle what's in front of them because you're supposed to be on the team. You know, just think it was all going to be smooth sailing. You just show up like that wouldn't be fun. And after everyone loves it, but you know, it's like the transitional in between moments where the anxiety is so high. Mm -hmm. That's when the fear shows up, you know? So I think it's everything we talked about, just getting in that habit that our default mechanism for the way we think and the way we frame these situations is I got it. I'm here and do this. I'm built for this, that type of talk. I love that. I love all that. Like taking mental notes here. Uh, this morning I got an email. Do you follow um, Dr. Becky on uh, Instagram? I think it's Becky Goodenside. No, but I will. It might be a little bit younger for your kids um, age group, but the email she talked about today was, um, you know, when your kids are getting like perfectionist about, you know, the card they're writing or whatever. Right. She talked about like um, not telling them like, uh, it's okay to make a mistake and uh, you know, don't worry about it. Like, don't be so hard on yourself, which is, you know, still an emotionally intelligent thing to say, but she said, bring like that sense of curiosity to it of like, hi, perfect voice, you know, like we, and like, talking and I'm sure you're talking to your kids about th- that everybody experiences this like we all have that voice that's like it's not good enough we have to be yeah. perfect we can't fail we can't get third you know and like having like a curiosity with that voice and bringing awareness so that you can reframe it I think that's exactly what you're saying but I just I liked how she put it no that's huge I think curiosity is the antidote to getting through hard situations mm-hmm. like oh what is why is this in front of me what am yeah. I going to learn or why am I, you know, I think that getting curious about things is, is absolutely so very important. Also, it's like, so if you have a kid who's writing a letter and they want to make it perfect or doing art, they want to make it perfect and it's not, and they're going to, th- they're going to like give up or they're going to complain about it. And it's just kind of walking them through like, okay, how does it feel to submit this piece of paper? Yeah. Like, is it good for you? You yeah. know, and if it is, then it is. And they'll go turn it in and they'll get a bad grade. Like, okay, maybe it wasn't or whatever it is, yeah. you know what? like so much of it is how does it feel joe you just said that to your brother in that tone how did that feel not yeah. good do it better next time yeah you know what i'm saying so i think to me it's like a level of self-awareness um to our responses to these things that allow for new choices to be made yeah. and then use curiosity if you can choose to volunteer um if you could choose to see something as an exciting challenge rather than a mountain you have to climb you know another I, i'm such a big fan of quotes because it helps me like frame my yeah my um, it's not the weight you carry, it's the way you carry it. Mm. Right. In every situation, you can carry the weight of the world like this, or you like, I got it. Yeah, it doesn't make it, it makes it easier mentally, but it doesn't make it physically easier. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just, it's just the constitution about things. Yeah. I love all that. Do you have a couple more minutes? I have one more question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk, and I know you said your, your game day is, is similar to your, um, practice days, but I'm just interested in, you know, so much of what I, I try to do for my clients is like take mindset and mental training and actually put it into actionable things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and not just like once in a while, people have workshops about, you know, being mentally yeah. tough, but like, I'm interested in what Carrie Walsh Jennings does. And of course, a lot of it is within your physical training and maybe some of it you don't even know that you're doing, but I'm wondering what you actually do from a mindset training, a mental training perspective on game day on non-game day. Like what are your routines and like actionable things that you do for your mind? Well, again, um, I want this to be a lifestyle. I don't want it to be a game day thing or once in a while. I want it to be a habit. I want another quote that when things are chaotic um, and life is stressful, we fall to the level of our training. Mm -hmm. So we all have a default. So if my, in my thinking, if my default is to have a, a problem solver mindset, to have a curious mindset, to have an optimistic mindset, then that's a great default mentally. Mm-hmm. To reinforce that, I and if I want the benefits of meditation, I have to meditate. If I want the benefits of having clear thoughts, I have to journal. Right. You know, so I meditate. I journal. I move every day. You know, everything that reinforces a clear mind, 
um, I do that every day, you know, and it's not always like I wake up at four 30 and I meditate. Like sometimes I do literally three deep breaths in the car before, you know, in between things yeah. and an intention and I'm good there, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I just, I prioritize my mental health and my emotional health mm-hmm. 100 yeah. And so for me, I, I know that when things, when I'm not living in an, in an, in an aligned way, I feel really frustrated and I just want to, I want to do more work. So my challenge to myself is in those moments to have the awareness to slow down and I'm able to have that awareness if I meditate, mm-hmm. you know, and if I have, if I have a problem or something that's bugging me, I write about it because when I write about it, my thoughts become more clear because I'm putting it on paper. You know, it's like one extra step of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I do these things consistently. Um, I'm really doing better at leaning on my support system, like my husband, talking things out with my husband. You know, generally I like internally problem solve, but I have greatness around me and I want to lean on those people. And so I'm doing that more and more, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the, the, the best things about being human is that we're capable of handling a lot. I think one of the worst things is that we tend to isolate when things get hard. Yes. And isolate it's like you're just you're facing all your demons and everything on your own when you you do have a support system you know and if you don't have one you can create it type of thing you know so those are little things that I do um I really prioritize my sleep because that allows me to perform in every way mentally emotionally as a mom as an um you know I I want to feel good in my body so sleep nutrition um every all these little things that are so ancient and so like common sense I prioritize them and they allow my world to go. And you do the cold water stuff too, right? I do. Yeah, we have a sauna and a cold plunge and I love it. I love it with all my heart. Like it's 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 so incredible. But also Lindsay, I I just think the bottom line is that if you want to if you want to affect change in your life, you have to do these things every day. Right? Like maybe not even 3 times a week. Do you got to you got to do it every day. And that again, it's not like working out 7 days a week, but it's like being mindful of your body 7 days a week. Yeah. You know, and maybe meditating for 15 minutes every day but it's like having that thought and taking a breath yeah. at least day. you know what I'm saying and all of that those little little things create ripples that change lives and change like how your life looks on the outside as well well I almost like try to get people to like can you commit to 10 minutes a day I mean it'd be great to have other little you know deep deep breaths here and trying to get coaches to do it in timeouts and like these things that are already baked into our in-between points or water breaks or whatever you know like trying to get these things these reps in regularly but also if you could spend 10 minutes journaling or breathing or whatever like that can have like monumental effects on somebody's life 100 percent. everything Lindsay, could be a meditation when i'm doing the dishes like it just be where you are yeah another be where your feet are mike gervais like yeah. isn't that it'll just be where you are entirely there yeah. And you have everything you'll need will come to you and the anxiety will go away yeah. because, you know, it's just the anxiety does not live in the moment. No, it lives by all the other crap, you know, coming maybe, you know? So, yeah, I think I, I, if I could ask everyone in the world, if I had one favor, I would say like even, you know, I think, I think this, the science says 14 minutes of meditation daily changes your brain, rewires it. But if you can start with 10 slow, deep breaths, Mm-hmm. like that's good enough, you know, and, and you're going to, you're going to see some changes and you're going to add some more, you know, stop, stop eating, um, after 8 PM mm-hmm. that will, that could change your life. Yep. You go to bed by 10. That could literally change your life. And these are hard things to do. It's not, it's, it's shitty, you know, but discipline equals freedom. And if you want freedom of feeling good in your body, of being a high performer, of being consistent, then you structure your life to support you in these ways, yep. you know? Don't, you don't allow the excuses. My favorite quote of all time is do not argue for your own limitations. Oh. Right? Like that's it. I, I, when I catch myself doing that, I'm like, oh, it's so terrible, Carrie. It's terrible. And when I notice people doing it, I just, I, I'm like, I know that I can't do anything for you if you're going to argue for your own limitations, you know? Oh my God. I see that so much when people want to start their own businesses as mindset coaches and they start finding all the reasons that they can't do it. Yes. No, exactly. And it's okay. Like your, <laughs> your words matter. You're literally creating your future right now. You're, you're throwing all these obstacles in front of you because your mindset is such dog shit. Excuse my language. Yeah. That is going to be very hard for you, harder than you ever thought, harder than it needs to be because you're choosing to think this way, right? Be, be solution oriented, get excited about what you want. Like you're going to figure this stuff out. Oh my God. You're such a fountain of wisdom. I just love it. Um, None of it's- <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, still though, it curated content, Carrie. That's what the world's all about. There's a billion things out there on YouTube, but we got to find the ones that actually impact our lives. Yeah. Um, tell me what you're up to. I know you haven't figured out about Paris. I know you're yeah. doing the, tell us about P1440. How about that? So P1440 is a company my husband and I and our co-founder started a couple years ago. Um, we've had many iterations already in four years, but now we're really focused on servicing the juniors community. Um, and in my mind, what we're building to be is basically the go-to resource center for all things personal development on and off the court, right? Volleyball is our heart. Is our heart. That is our kind of platform off of which to develop ourselves and so we have live events and then we have digital events and programming that support the athletes with anxiety i get calls and emails and instagram dms every week carrie my daughter is suffering from this you know major anxiety for this you know point me to something and so if we can become that like vetted trusted place where people go to support themselves um on the court that they can take these tools these tools off the court, like that would be just incredible. And we're doing that. So it's really powerful. P1440.com at platform 1440. And just a little insight into the name. Um, in marriage counseling, um, we were talking and we found out that there are 1,440 minutes in the day. That's all you get. And for me before, you know, well still, but I, I tended to waste a lot of my minutes. And my husband was like, babe, you give everyone everything. Your minutes with us suck. <laughs> like they're less, they're less quality. And our Mike Gervais was like, you guys need to take better care of your 1440. And so as we created this volleyball property, we wanted to be more holistic, more universal. And yeah. we really wanted to start with young girls realizing that it's the moments that count. We all want that scholarship. We all want that perfect game, but it's the moments that are going to allow you to get there. So that's our company. Absolutely. Um, final question. I asked everybody this, but what's one thing you would either tell your younger self or one thing that you would tell people right now to do to help change their life, to get to be a high performer? Oh my hell. Um, God, there's just so many things. I literally had this question answered perfectly last week because I was just in that mindset, but it changed. Um, You know, I, and this is going to sound hard because it took me 43 years to get to this point. Whatever you're doing, do it for the joy of it, right? So I was listening to Abraham Hicks and she's like, when you meditate, don't do it for the ascension. Don't do it to become something you're, you're hoping to be. Do it for the pleasure of it. So when I'm training, instead of, instead of saying I'm going to practice, from now on I'm saying I'm going to play because that shifts things. Yeah. You know what I'm So if we could do, if we, if we can make our decisions on purpose, and largely do things that are meaningful and purposeful to us and then do those things for the pleasure of it, our lives will transform. So if you figure out how to do that, let me know. But that's the yeah, I'm on. <laughs> well, I mean, I love, I, I've been thinking a lot. It's so funny, like all these things, the law of traction, this is what's coming up because I've been talking and thinking a lot about joy and bringing joy into things. And in particular, bringing it into the hard things. I think athletes do that pretty naturally. I mean, that's, we kind of like the suffering in some ways, right? Like that's part totally. of it. And so how do we bring joy into all of it? Well, knowing that joy makes you a killer, maybe that'll do it. Yeah. And I'm, a podcast yeah. with Andrew Huberman, it's, it's science. You perform better mm -hmm. when you have fun, you know, and having fun to me, and it's like, my, my game face is like, I'm going to, I'm going to crush you. Yeah. Totally. And my words are, are almost the same, but it's joyful. It's not yeah. focused so I think just yeah having that be a goal like if you're so anxious like I literally started started calling out things that I love oh I'm playing this woman oh she's so cute or she was so kind to me that one time and I just bring love into the equation or playfulness I tell a joke to my partner all of it just makes me free yeah oh yeah I love, I love every single thing we talked about I just can't wait to go back and just everything you said was just so on point and I so appreciate it I know how busy you are and no, you're I just, I love how vulnerable and how, how much you have grown over all these years and how willing you are to share all that. It's just, Carrie, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for you. Well, that's very nice. And I'm a poop show. Like, let's just get that out there. <laughs> but I really care. And I really like personal development, feeling growth in, as, as a human is like my favorite thing. And then sharing the ways that I got there, the quotes, the people, the podcasts, like those are my favorite things as well. So thank you for the opportunity. You lead a good show, darling. And your, your, uh, your people are in good hands. So I'm, I'm really proud of you. So good job. Here, you're the best. I hope at some point you'll come back and share more wisdom. Just give me a call. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Sure. Bye.
So there you have it, guys. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, I felt like I could have been on with her for another hour just talking about all this stuff. And I just love that we talked about so many real things, right? We talked about Michaela Schifrin in the Olympic Games. We talked about Carrie being pregnant and and being a, um, a mom to three young kids and still playing at this high, high level and how she does it on a day-to-day -day basis. And we talked about flow and being able to be present in the moment and her evolution as a volleyball player. You know, I think uh, as she's matured and as she's gotten all this experience, like she's just kept digging deeper into her mindset and, you know, the, the game within the game, if you will. And the cool thing is, is she can put words to it and she can share it. And I just learned so, so much from this interview. So if you love this, share it. She has so much wisdom that I hope everybody gets to hear. Um, anybody that's trying to be awesome in their life and find a high performance mindset I think could benefit this. So please, please, please share it. Rate and review us if you haven't already. And guys, we got some great interviews coming up. So thanks for being on this journey with us and bye for now. Have a great day.